well, um, we're in 1 Samuel and uh, we're drawing to a close of this book, but the, uh, the journey of faith that God is taking David particularly on is going to search him further in this chapter, which we are going to look at tonight. We'll see David come through with flying colours. Next week, we'll see him sink to the bottom of the ocean and make big mistakes. And we can be the same. We have choices in life. Every day we have choices. We've prayed tonight about a spirit of unforgiveness and we have a choice to forgive or to hold on to bitterness. We have a choice. God has not uh, placed us in a position where we are puppets controlled with strings. (laughs) He gives us a heart and he wants us in a relationship with himself. We started the service with David saying, God has said, seek my face. Uh, Why does God say that? Because we're going to look at this in Bible study through this year because God wants a deep and meaningful relationship with each one of us. He created us for that purpose. And as we journey in 1 Samuel, we're looking at the faith of David particularly. And uh, we've seen him tempted, tempted to end the life of his pursuer Saul. And... To this point, he's come through with the grace of God and certainly in this chapter, a similar response. But God has more to show David and more to show us. Uh, God is always wanting to reveal things to us that we haven't already seen. You know, Paul says, uh, one thing I seek after, to know Jesus Christ. Oh, don't you already know Jesus? No, no. Uh, forgetting what lies behind, I press on to what lies ahead to know more of him, to see more of the truth that sets me free to be as God intended me to be. And that should be true for each one of us. Well, tonight the scriptures reveal God in an interesting way. You know, throughout the history of the, the uh, community of God's people, in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament, there are kind of two major streams of thinking. And they have a tension between them. One is the sovereignty and, and rule of God, and the other is the response of man. And where do these two things fit together? How do we reconcile God's sovereignty, his predestination, his his setting in place things before the beginning of time, his calling you to be his own even before you existed, and your response to him? And there has been a continual struggle in theological circles to reconcile these two things. In fact, I don't think we'll ever reconcile them fully until we meet God face to face. People love to try and uh, hold these two things together but end up falling on one side or the other. 
But actually God calls us to hold these two things in careful, uh, precious, uh, holy acceptance. And we'll see in this story tonight something of these two things. You know, Jesus, when he comes to teach, and of course he came to teach us about the kingdom of God, he clearly reveals the sovereignty of God, but he clearly challenges all his hearers in terms of their response. You know the story of the sower of the seeds, and they fall in different soils, and they're bringing out the heart condition of the people who are hearing. Clearly he's wanting us to be people who would respond with hearts that are broken up, hearts that have been fashioned and prepared to receive what he says and allow a great harvest to take place. But we know what we're like, and we can allow weeds to grow I've got a garden over there. I've been in it over the last week or so, and it's actually good to be in the garden. It teaches you lots of things. The weeds keep growing all the time, don't they, Jim? (laughs) You'll know all about it on the farm. And the next-door neighbour can be one of the problems, can't he, you know, when he doesn't control the weeds and they're all blowing into your property and they're just springing up everywhere. It doesn't matter what you do with your own, but (laughs) still affected by that. How do we respond to these things? Well, tonight we're going to witness striking qualities in the life of Saul and David. You know, it's, it's fascinating. Uh, last chapter we were looking at Abigail last Sunday, but the chapter before, you know, David spares Saul and we have this amazing statement of Saul, uh, you know, at the end of chapter 24, Saul makes all these wonderful claims. You know, he says to David, uh, Saul says, Is this your voice, my son David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. He said to David, You are more righteous than I, for you have repaid me good, whereas I've repaid you evil. And you have declared this day how you have dealt with me, in that you did not kill me when the Lord put me in your hands. For if a man finds his enemy, will he not go? Uh, will he let him go safe? So may the Lord reward you with good for you, you, for what you have done to me this day. And now, behold, I know that you shall surely be king, and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. Here is Saul prophesying wonderful things, appearing to be terribly repentant and and and, and accepting of the wonderful grace shown to him by David. But you know his heart hasn't changed one little tiny bit. We can make great claims with our voices. We can say all of this. You know, he even says to David, Swear to me therefore by the Lord that you will not cut off my offspring after me, that you will not destroy my name out of my father's house. And David swore this to Saul. Then Saul went home, but David and his men went up to the stronghold. You know, David heard Saul say all this 
And he agreed. He, 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 he yielded to Saul's plea to not destroy his household. And we see that later on in the story. But did David believe Saul? David knows something about the human heart and he certainly reveals that in his Psalms. And what we see here now as we move into chapter 26 of, of, uh, of 1 Samuel, Saul having made these great claims and prophetic announcements over David. And then, of course, David has retreated. David has, remains in the wilderness David is not placing himself near Saul. Why isn't he doing that? Saul has made all these wonderful statements about him. Because David doesn't believe it. And why don't you think he believes it? Because David knows what sin does in the human heart. You see... David retreats to the wilderness uh, of Ziph and the Ziphites have David, the hot potato, in their territory. Do they want David to be there in their territory? Do you want a hot potato in your territory? When you have King Saul pursuing and you want to be on side with the king? No, they don't want him there. So they tell Saul, Saul, David is hiding down here in the wilderness of Ziph. Come and get him. But Saul has just made these bold claims that David's going to be king of Israel. What does Saul do? This passage is telling us that unless you deal with your sin, it will get you. Unless you deal with your sin, it will take control of you. You may say all sorts of wonderful things about people and circumstances, and, but if you don't deal with your sin, it will take control of your life. That's what Jesus came to deal with on the cross. He knew that sin is a powerful influence in the human heart and it so corrupts us that if you fail to deal with it, it eventually would deal with you. And what is the wages of sin? Death. Well, Saul's heart, while making great claims with his lips, has not changed. He's, immediately he hears from the Ziphites that David is down there. What does he do? So Saul arose and went down to the wilderness of Ziph with 3,000 chosen men of Israel to seek David in the wilderness of Ziph. What? (laughs) He just made these claims. Sin hardens the hearts in all of our lives. If we allow it to remain in our hearts, it will deal with us. You might say, how could I do such a thing? Do you know I've been a minister now for 34, nearly 30, yeah, 34 years and I have seen people in church singing hymns of praise, worshipping God 
And then they start to get weaker and they start to go off into nursing home care and they start to swear and they start to say all sorts of things. Because I can tell you, friends, when you get weakened, you will find out what's in your heart. You will find out. Sin will have its way unless you deal with it. If you don't deal with it personally, be assured of this, it will have its way. You know, Moses, when he is uh, in the book of Numbers and he is with the people of Israel heading to the promised land and he has the household of Reuben and the household of Gad on the east side of the Jordan River, they seek to remain there on the east side and the other ten tribes travel over the Jordan with Joshua in the end. And Reuben and Gad say, let us remain here. We found our territory, but we will, we will go and fight for them over there and we'll allow our families to settle here on the east side of the Jordan. And Moses says to them, all right, I'll allow you to do this, but you've got to fight. You've got to do what you said. You've got to make sure that you settle your other ten, uh, the ten tribes of Israel there in the, in the promised land. And you, you, you've said you're going to fight. And then he says this, but if you do not do so, this is Numbers 32, 23, behold, you've sinned against the Lord and be sure your sin will find you out. Be sure your sin will find you out. It might be in a nursing home. It might be wherever it is. But unless you deal with it, it's going to find you out. It may be harboring unforgiveness. It may be not dealing with anger or or sexual immorality or whatever it might be. But it will find you out. Unless you deal with it. And Saul, who's made great claims about David, has not dealt with his jealousy, his rebellion against God. Remember back there in 1 Samuel, where he rebels against Samuel's leadership? He hasn't dealt with it, he has not dealt with his heart. And what do the writer of the Proverbs say there in Proverbs 4.23? Above everything else, guard your heart, for out of it flow the springs of life. And I would say this to you, dear friends, here while we still have strength and ability, guard your heart, deal with sin, because it's going to find you out if you don't. And that's the story here of Saul. He has not dealt with his heart. He's not dealt with sin. He's making all sorts of claims, but eventually the sin rules his life and he cannot help but pursue David and seek to kill him. Well, the book of 1 Samuel is a, a book that contrasts the hearts of two men, David and Saul. Saul and David. And what did God say to Samuel when he anointed David? I have chosen a man after my own heart 
Now, David makes big mistakes, <laughs> but he truly repents of his sin. He truly confesses his sin. He has given us Psalm 51, hasn't he? I don't know how many times you've reflected on Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart and renew in me a right spirit. Against you only have I sinned. Against you only have I sinned. When we don't forgive somebody. You know, when we treat our wives or our children or our friends or whoever in 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 an ungodly way, do we realize that against God only have we sinned? Against him only have we sinned. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. And as the psalm goes on to say, a broken and a contrite heart you will not despise. And you see none of this in the heart of Saul. He makes big mistakes all, but there is no brokenness over his sin. And no repentance. Look at it now, tonight. Here it is, the sin is ruling him. But David, with Saul pursuing him in the wilderness of Ziph, David says to Ahimelech the Hittite and to Joab, brother Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, Who will go down with me into the camp of Saul? (laughs) What? Who would choose to take one man into the camp of a a tyrant, murderous opponent with 3,000 chosen soldiers? Is he crazy? Why is David able to make such claims? We'll see at the end of the chapter. But here he says, the Nabushai said, God, God has given your enemy into your hand this day. Now, please, let me pin him to the earth. Because they go down and there they're sleeping. Saul's sleeping with all the M. And why are they sleeping, by the way? Sorry? God put them to sleep. A deep sleep came on them from God. Who is ruling over this? Who is in charge of everything in this world? We've been reading Joseph in our early morning prayer time. It's been fantastic to read Joseph again. (laughs) Joseph's heart is one of the most beautiful hearts in the Old Testament. He believes God is sovereign over everything that happens in quite an extraordinary way. He keeps believing that God is sovereign, even when the butler forgets him for two years there in prison. (laughs) As my wife said to me, And to all of us, God's timing is absolutely perfect. He makes sure that the butler forgot him for two years so that when he finally remembered, it was the time when Pharaoh had these dreams and perfect timing. God is sovereign over everything that is happening. Is that what you see in, in your circumstances? God is sovereign over everything that is happening. Your enemy is coming with 3,000 soldiers to destroy you. God is sovereign over this. Is that what Elisha thought when the king of Syria sent the army around Dothan? But you see, we are so often caught up with our own perception, with our own understanding. And we see like Elisha's servants, these forces of darkness 
uh, seeking to destroy what is, what is uh, godly. But you know what? The problem is not out there. The problem is always where? In here. Here's the problem. And this chapter is showing us this, the contrast between Saul, who's ruled by sin in his life, and David, who is ruled by God. And who takes one man down into the camp of his enemy who has 3,000 soldiers against him. And seems to be completely at rest about the situation. Finding Saul asleep, Abishai says to him, well, come on, let me finish him off. And David says, as the Lord lives, the Lord will strike him or his day will come to die. But do not destroy him. For who can put out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? Who can put his hand against the Lord's anointed? But this man is gripped by evil. Maybe some people in authority today are gripped by evil. But who has put them there? Who has put people in authority over us today? You know, we are so easily affected by their character, personality. But who's put them there? Well, David says God has put them there. The Lord forbid that I should put out my hand against the Lord's anointed. But take now the spear that is in his, at his head and the jar of water and let us go. So David took the spear and the jar of water from Saul's head and they went away. No man saw it or knew it. Nor did any awake, for they were all asleep because a deep sleep from the Lord had fallen upon them. Why had that happened? Because David was going down into the camp and God was looking after his servant. As we will see at the end of this chapter. Well, what do we read next? David went over on the other side and stood far off on the top of the hill with a great space between them. And David called to the army, to Abner, the the leader of Saul's army. Abner, son of Ner, will you not answer me, Abner? Abner answered, who are you who calls to the king? David must have been shouting pretty loud because he woke him up. And David said to Abner, are you not a man? Who's like you in Israel? Why then have you not kept watch over your Lord the King? For the one who came to destroy the... uh, Sorry. For one of the people came to destroy the King, your Lord. This thing that you have done is not good. As the Lord lives, you deserve to die. Because you have not kept watch over your Lord. And now see where the King's spear is. And the jar of water that was at his head. And Saul, waking up too, recognises David's voice. And says, is this your voice, my son David? And David said, it's my voice, my lord, O king. It's my voice, my lord. My lord, O king. 
And he said, why does my Lord pursue after his servant? For what have I done? What evil is on my hands? Now therefore let my Lord the king hear the words of his servant. If it is the Lord who has stirred you up against me, may accept an offering. But if it is men, may they be cursed before the Lord. For they have driven me out this day that I should have no share in the heritage of the Lord, saying, go serve other gods. Now therefore, let not my blood fall to the earth away from the presence of the Lord. For the king of Israel has come out to seek a single flea, like one who hunts a partridge in the mountains. Then Saul said, I have sinned. I've sinned. Okay, Saul, well, you've sinned. What are you going to do about it? Return, my son David, for I will no more do you harm, because my life was precious in your eyes this day. Well, this has just happened a little while ago. Has anything changed? Has he repented? I've sinned. Yeah, I know. And you keep on singing, Saul. Behold, I've acted foolishly and have made a big mistake. And David answered and said, Here is the spear, O king. Let one of the young men come over and take it. And then David makes a bold statement. He says this, The Lord rewards every man for his righteousness and his faithfulness. The Lord rewards every man. Do you believe that God rewards, that he gives rewards? Are you someone who recognizes that God gives rewards? Do you know how much scripture is focused on this subject? In the Sermon on the Mount, which we had read to us tonight, what does Jesus say about our relationship to God and God's response to our truly walking before him as he desires. You know, when you give, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Give it in secret. And your father who sees in secret will... What was that? He will what? He, he will what? Come on, it's hard to say, isn't it? It's hard to get it's hard to get onto this. Wait a minute. Does God reward people? And when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. Go to your room and pray in secret. And your father who sees in secret will? This is Jesus telling people God is a rewarder. When you fast. Don't present before others, but do it before your father who sees in secret. And your father who sees in secret will? God is a God who rewards you. Now, as we talked about tonight, he does not reward you with salvation. Salvation is impossible to receive by anything we do. Salvation is purchased for us through Jesus. But Jesus said, I have come to give you life abundantly. Not just so you might go to heaven and be saved. I came to give you life, that you might have it abundantly. And I want you to know my Father, who rewards those 
who walk before him, who believe in him, who trust him, who take hold of his promises. The Bible is full of illustrations of people whom God rewards for their trust in him. What about Abraham? What about people like Abel and Enoch and Noah? Let me read from Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. A commendation is a reward from God. And through his faith, though he died, he's still speaking. Is that a reward? That Abel is still speaking to us? After thousands of years, Abel is still speaking? Is that not a reward? By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And he was rewarded for this. He didn't even have to face death. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. We have a God who's actually longing to reward us for seeking him. And Abraham, the story of Abraham is a beautiful story, isn't it? A man just like us who errs between unbelief and faith and yet is regarded as a father of faith because he believed when it all looked totally impossible. And then when God granted him a son, this precious son Isaac, and then God tells him to go and sacrifice him on the mountain. What? And Abraham obeys God. He simply does what God says. And what do we read in that story? As he's lifting the knife over Isaac on that mountain, an angel of the Lord called him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, is that a reward? And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And I am rewarding you for trusting in God. And Abraham lifted his eyes up and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket of the, with his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place. The Lord will provide, as it said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven as a sand that is on the seashore and your offspring shall possess the gates of his enemies and in your offspring shall all the nation of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice God rewards those who obey him God rewards those 
who believe and trust in him. And David says, the Lord rewards every man for his righteousness and his faithfulness. And of course, we have no righteousness of our own, do we? But Jesus has offered himself up on a cross for us and given us of his own spirit to lead us. And when we obey him, he rewards us. In all kinds of ways, he rewards us. One of my favorite texts in the whole Bible is Galatians. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever one sows, that he will also reap. God cannot be mocked. Those who trust him and believe him and do what he says will certainly be rewarded by God in ways that will enable, as we have heard in Abel's life, their their faith and trust in him will be proclaimed for thousands of years to come. Like the woman with the two copper coins who put everything in the offering She is not forgotten and she is rewarded by being proclaimed as one who pleased God. Is that not the greatest reward you could receive? That you have pleased God. Amen.